From the moment House Democrats took control of power, they have had one unifying objective, to push back against what they saw as the wrongdoings of the Trump administration. But a fight inside the party has now developed over the U.S.'s policy towards Israel and accusations of anti-Semitism, a fight that is pitting the old guard of the party against the new guard and threatening a generational rift. This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today from Capitol Hill is Bloomberg's congressional correspondent, Anna Edgerton. Anna, thanks for doing this today. Thanks. Glad to be here. So let's start back in November when Democrats won back control of the House. Part of that midterm success came from the energy delivered by a young and progressive group of women running for Congress, didn't it? That's right. And these members who have kind of come to embody the progressive side of the caucus and and the leftward tilt of the Democratic Party have really tried to become the energy of the future of the Democratic Party. So there's been a lot of enthusiasm for some of the progressive fiscal policy that they've been presenting and some of the ambitious climate agenda that they've been trying to get to be discussed in the mainstream of American politics. So there is a lot of energy around these members, but that doesn't come without controversy when some of these people are maybe a little less versed in the attention that their comments will get on Twitter. And and some of those key figures to the future of that party include Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York, Representative Tlaib of Michigan, uh, Representative Omar of Minneapolis. Uh, uh, you know, they're just among many who are considered the wild cards, the future of this party. And when they took control, they were considered wild cards because no one really knew how they would vote on uh, Nancy Pelosi's bid for speakership. But they all fell in line. And so they took power. Uh, Nancy Pelosi gaveled in uh, the Congress and it looked like this was a unified group. Yeah, I've actually been really impressed with how well they have stuck together with the main part of the Democratic Party and really tried to empower Nancy Pelosi to set an agenda and set ambitious policy goals. And they've been remarkably unified with their colleagues, even who come from the total opposite side of the ideological spectrum. But the honeymoon didn't last too long because, you know, things started to get interesting last month. So explain what happened on the Hill that started to show these cracks in that unity we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. The kind of controversy that we're following this week surrounds Ilan Omar from Minnesota. She has been accused of trafficking and anti-Semitic tropes in some of her past comments. She had a tweet last month that suggested that politicians only respond to pro-Israel policies because of the money that's involved in politics. And that kind of brought up some ugly associations of Jewish people with being very wealthy. Her most recent comments were made in a February 27th event when she said she kind of questioned the expectation of allegiance to Israel. Now, she said she was questioning the expectation that she, as an American, would pledge allegiance to Israel. But it was interpreted as kind of trafficking in a historic trope that Jewish people have a dual allegiance to the country where they live and to Israel, which has been a kind of a a prejudicial way to discriminate against Jews in the past and in some instances encourage violence against Jewish people. Before we go any further, let's just take a step back and tell me about the background that the U.S. has in its foreign policy uh, with Israel and its relationship in American politics. Definitely good to look at kind of where this is coming from and why we're having this conversation, because the support for Israel has been mainstream U.S. policy since the founding of the country. So since Israel became a country following the Holocaust, there have been, there's been very strong bipartisan support for the Jewish people and for the 
state of Israel as a Jewish state. Now, some members of the Democratic Party have begun to question that, especially when it comes to the treatment of Palestinian people Mm -hmm. and how they are treated as the allegations that they are treated as second-class citizens. And Representative Omar says that that is the point that she was trying to make, that she was trying to have a constructive foreign policy discussion and ask serious questions about why the United States has such unequivocal support for Israel, and if that's something that should be revisited and reconsidered. So that takes us to this week. And so what are the high-ranking members in the Democratic Party, the old guard, what are they doing in response to Omar's comments and the allegations of anti-Semitism? There's been kind of a spattering of statements from members of leadership following her comments uh, last week, but there were two statements that really stuck out. One was from Elliot Engel. He's the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee on which Omar sits, and he himself is Jewish and pushed back very strongly against the suggestion of dual allegiance. And the other one was from Nita Lawi, who is the chairman, chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee. These are both very powerful members of the Democratic Party. And when they issued these very strongly worded statements, there was also a conversation with leadership that there needed to be an official resolution on the House floor so that members could stand up and say, we don't support anti-Semitism. We condemn this, you know, any kind of bigotry, any kind of historic tropes about the Jewish people. And they really push leadership to take a strong stand and come out very strongly and very clearly against it. And how has this resolution that's expected to be voted on Thursday, how has that been received by Omar's notable fellow freshmen like AOC? There's already been a discussion about exactly how the resolution should be worded. An original draft that we saw yesterday didn't name Omar specifically, but it did use language very similar to what she's being accused of saying. So it was very clear what what the resolution was referring to. So some of Omar's allies have pushed back and said, if we're condemning anti-Semitism, we also should condemn bigotry in all forms. So they pushed for a broader definition of the kind of prejudice that's being condemned with this floor vote. And it's worth pointing out that Ilhan Omar is a Muslim American who wears a hijab and is become a very visible part of this diverse freshman class. And she said that she has faced discrimination in her life. She's received death threats. There was also an example of a poster in the West Virginia Republican Party that connected her to the September 11th attack. So there's a position among her allies and among other Democrats as well that if you're going to condemn anti-Semitism, you also have to condemn all kinds of prejudice. How about the Republicans on Capitol Hill? How are they responding to this controversy? Republicans have kind of seized on this as an example of kind of discord among the the, within the Democratic Party. And they've drawn parallels to the way that some comments from Representative Steve King of Iowa were treated. Steve King has been making controversial statements about racial diversity and immigration for a very long time. He's accused of being a white supremacist. And following some comments that he made this year, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy did remove him from his committee assignments. This is after a long career of making controversial statements. So McCarthy's point was that he expects Pelosi to do the same thing and remove Omar from her committee assignments, especially a committee as important as the Foreign Affairs Committee when it comes to discussing foreign policy, also noting that members of that committee get intelligence briefings. So he stopped 
short of saying that Omar herself is a national security threat, but he did say that the rebuke of anti-Semitism should be so strong that she shouldn't still be sitting on that committee. Her comments were not, I, I don't want to qualify what counts as anti-Semitic or not, because any person who feels hurt and discriminated against, you know, we should listen to that and it should be validated. But there have been a few examples from Representative Omar. She has apologized, and mm-hmm. it sounds like at this point, leadership is not going to remove her from her committee assignment. And she's argued that an anti-Israel uh, a policy or view does not equal uh, anti-Semitic view. So we uh, are going to have this vote on Thursday on this resolution. It's expected to pass. So what happens next? It's just a House resolution. So it's kind of stakes out the House position on this issue. The Senate could take up a similar resolution, although at this point it doesn't look like they're going to. Mitch McConnell, the Republican majority leader in the Senate, said yesterday that he very strongly condemns anti-Semitism and kind of questioned why Democratic leadership hasn't taken further steps to address this already. But he didn't say, he said it was being considered, but it's not something they're going to actually act on. We do expect this to be an issue that comes up in political discourse for the rest of this year and even going into 2020. They could even call up questions about foreign policy and about how Israel is discussed within American politics. But Anna, is this issue really big enough to divide that old guard and that new guard in the House Democrats and you know, really get them off their game and, and take their eye off the prize, which is, of course, President Trump? Well, that's what we're kind of watching this week to see what the repercussions of this are. I mean, you know, it's not just progressives that have come to Omar's defense. Also, the Congressional Black Caucus has said that, you know, Omar herself has faced it, has faced death threats and persecution. And so you, there's also a actual concern for her physical safety in the discussion of all of this. So we're kind of watching for the fallout of this. One immediate consequence is that we're distracted from the Democratic agenda. Democrats this week are going to vote on their HR1 bill, which is a sweeping package of measures designed to increase transparency in government and kind of clean up some uh, campaign contribution laws and increase uh, voting access for all Americans. That was the message they wanted to be focusing on this week. And instead, they came out of the caucus meeting this morning, and we were all asking about this resolution because it does have serious implications for the unity of the Democratic Party that Pelosi herself has said is so important for putting forth a bold policy agenda. Anna, thanks so much for doing this today. Sure thing. Glad to be here. Make sure to follow Anna and her reporting on Twitter. She's at Anna Edge 4. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.